Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. My name is Stephen Kilger. I'm the host of the Feed and Grain podcast. And today I'm speaking with Ebony Weber, COO of Manners. Manners is an organization that promotes agriculture sciences and related fields in a positive manner among ethnic minorities. We talk about expanding diversity in ag organizations and how it helps everyone and how companies can start working towards having a more diverse workforce. It's a really fun conversation, but before we get into it, just a little bit of housekeeping. If you have a topic or speaker you think would be a good fit for the Feeding Grain podcast, I want to hear about it. Go to feedinggrain.com slash podcast and you'll find a button that you can click and immediately send me all of your ideas. I really hope I hear from you soon. With all that out of the way, hi, Ebony. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Doing all right. How are you, Ebony? I'm doing well, thank you. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me today. Absolutely. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? <laughs> well, sometimes it's hard to get people to to commit. They don't, they don't like talking to the media for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, you know, well, when you have nothing but positive things to share, you look forward to these opportunities. <laughs> Excellent. So your organization, Manners, kind of came up on our radar when you partnered with NGFA, National Grain and Feed Association to help with their, I guess, diversity output. So I just really was curious about kind of what you guys do. Okay. Um, so would you mind telling me a little bit more about what Manners does? Sure. So Manners is Minorities in Agriculture, Natural Resources, and Related Sciences. We're a national 501c3 professional membership organization. Membership is open to anyone and all people from all backgrounds. So let's first, you don't have to be a minority to be a part of the organization. But the mission of the organization is to promote the inclusion and advancement of minority students and professionals in the food, agriculture, and natural resource industries. Mm -hmm. So really what we do as an organization is not only do we provide career and leadership development for students who are in this space who may not have the traditional networking relationship and are first-generation students into corporate America and into the agriculture industry as a whole, Manor serves as that safe space that helps with that learning and development and that ex career exposure. Mm -hmm. um, so taking students from never even thinking about agriculture to being an advocate of agriculture is what Manners has become very good at. That's great because awareness of agriculture as a career option, at least for me, a guy who lived in a pretty rural community, I still didn't think of it. So I'm sure yeah, for a lot too. of people, it's not even on the radar at all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's exactly how I was. And that's how I became so passionate about it. Just like you said, being from a small rural community, you run in a way like there are no jobs, but there are actually plenty of jobs there. You just... It wasn't the ones that I guess that resonated or that I looked at like a real career. It was something like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit about how you guys, how you do that then? How do you get kids interested in agriculture as a career? A lot of times, I think it really does just come down to exposure. Agriculture is seal. Mm -hmm. It is everything, science, technology, engineering, and math to make it come to life. To get it from seed to the store, it takes all of those things. And so I think it's really just about exposure, 
to for me personally is really identifying what people want to do like how do you want to change the world mm-hmm. and if you like you know i want to be a doctor or i want to you know be a psychologist or whatever it's like well did you know you can do this in agriculture and do this and this and this so i think a lot of times it's just really about connecting the dots and yep. then talking about the opportunities that are there once you connect the dots and that's what manners does is that not only do we expose the students to it so get them excited about what they can do in agriculture but then we connect them to the program and into the universities and to the professional network. So you can be a member for life in manners. It is not just a collegiate organization or just a high school organization. It's an organization that stays with you throughout your entire career. So it becomes a family. It becomes a community, a self-nurturing community. And so it's providing that complete pathway forward. So from exposure to guiding them through, you know, the majors to the right universities, to the internships, to hopefully a full-time career opportunity at the end. Yeah, that's a great point. And there are a lot of people think of agriculture and they think, you know, producers, farmers, but there are a lot of like really a high scientifically <laughs> driven jobs in agriculture. So that's really great to hear that people are out there getting that information out. So diversity in agriculture isn't, agriculture is not known as the most diverse of industries. (laughs) It's just not. But I truly believe it's really important to get different viewpoints out there. So can you kind of give some of the, let our readers know some of the benefits of getting people with, you know, different lives, growing up experiences and choices out there, Uh, really the advantage of bringing them in? Yeah, I think. One of the things that I value about diversity is that having multiple perspectives allows you to really fully think through a resolution. Mm-hmm. Like if, you know, my team all came from the same place and you're saying everything and not, or just homogenous viewpoints, I can just say that. And we're not going to think of, we're all going to approach the problem typically the same way. There could be some diversity of thought, but because we probably had similar experiences, similar backgrounds, we're probably going to approach the problem similar. And so having to me, having multiple perspectives and experiences pointing to an idea, is almost like pressure testing, like well, someone is going to poke holes in it because they are approaching it from a, a, a experience that you've never experienced before. And so you can't discount what anybody brings to the table because we're all diverse, you know, whether we're racially diverse or gender diverse or persons with just different abilities. So whatever that intersectionality may be, we're all diverse, but at, and if you think of it that way, so the more diverse you get, then of course, the more to me, that you're prepared for, you thought through multiple situations. So you know that your solution is the best because you, you've had input from this side and this side and this side. And guess what? You're, you're, you still passing the test. Mm-hmm. And so if you've only had one checkoff point, how sh- sure are you that your approach is the best way if you haven't had it fully vetted? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good, it's true. Everyone has, you know, their own experience. It's important to just bringing us all together, right? And <laughs> coming up Absolutely. to solutions together. <laughs> and, and also with that, and as you're thinking about it, it's always like the business case. If you're thinking about what the world consists of and who makes up the world, 
then the world is diverse. Mm -hmm. And so how do you plan to appeal to different people if you don't have those people insights into what you need to do? Yeah, and that seems especially true in agriculture where the people that are still in agriculture tend to have grown up in agriculture and therefore don't seem to be able to understand, you know, viewpoints out, coming from outside the the industry, which is now most people, right? Now it's most people. So now they're the new minority. Mm -hmm. Like more people have not come from farm to do. So they're approaching it totally different and it's making them feel very uncomfortable now because it's challenging everything that they've known it to always be. Exactly. You have partnerships with the NGFA and other companies. Tell me a little bit about what your partnerships are like. What do companies give you and what do you, uh, what does Manners kind of give back? Like most nonprofits, of course, we live and die based off our donors and supporters of the organization. Mm -hmm. But we are very relationship driven. Of course, the work of diversity, I like to say, aside from us just doing great work in leadership and career development, really having a focus on minoritized and underrepresented individuals just puts another level of difficulty on what you're doing. And so companies have to be really committed to diversity and inclusion to career and leadership development of young people, of new voices, of new ways of thinking. And so I think that's that's first and foremost. And uh, also it's about them supporting students on getting to the next level. So that's career exposure. So they show they have sponsored students to different industry conferences and events that may be going on. So I think the recipients of the scholarship with NGFA actually attended their annual conference. Um, this past spring as guests of the foundation. And so showing up to career events, talking about careers in their industry, offering internships to students, scholarships is another way. So it, it really is just about the networking, the career development and exposure, and then scholarships to support those students to ensure that they have their needs met and so that they can continue on their academic journey. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially because for whatever reason, some people get uncomfortable about, you know, the diversity talk. And and when I say some people, I mean, you know, white dudes like me. But the idea that it is you're taking students, right, and you're giving them the training and the resources they need ultimately to be your future, your future leaders, which seems so important. Students of all types need should be that kind of training and background. When it comes to agriculture. <laughs> I can understand the white dude's perspective because a lot of times they're made out to feel like the villain. But dang, I ain't. It's like the conversation is about everybody but them. Yeah. So I totally feel that and I get that. And so my approach is always trying to figure out a way to bring them along because the needle doesn't move unless the white dudes buy in. So it's just what it is. We need everybody. And they're right. They are diverse, too. So if looking around the room, it's a bunch of white dudes somewhere in the back of your mind. You should say, well, we need some of this or we need some of this or that or that. We need some more voices and perspectives. So something should click. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, that's when you know that you have to be intentional now because there's some biases that we all carry and have that we now need to dig deeper and explore it's not just by circumstance that everybody in the room is a white dude it's just we're all great and you know wonderful but 
statistically speaking, that's disproportionately represented everywhere you go. And so it just have to sometimes just kind of famine the wise and it makes people uncomfortable. And I always say, if we're talking about we want more diversity and we more we want more people at the table, then who's gonna get up? It sounds great until someone said, Well, okay, get I'm a, I'm gonna need your chair, sir. Well, and it's kind of like then it feels like something is being taken away from you. Yeah. Well and it shouldn't and it's not that way, especially in agriculture where all of our companies are so desperate for new blood, new people right. to come in to fulfill these positions where people are retiring and aren't coming in. So it really shouldn't be looked at anybody taking anyone's space, right? We're just, right. we're making a more diverse workforce for the future. It's more sustainable. Like if that's what the whole purpose of sustainability is, like we're trying to keep things around for the long haul. And so if we want companies to survive this next this next cycle or next generation, then we're going to have to embrace those diverse voices because that's what the new workforce looks like. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's going to be by force or by choice, but it's going to happen. Well, what do they say? Gen Z, the one coming up, was the most diverse generation? Exactly. Like, exactly. So the numbers don't lie. So say you're at a company and you're like, we really need a um, branch out and start working on our diversity. Do you have any tips for people or companies that kind of want to start but don't have don't really know where to yeah um i think there's there are definitely some one two three steps that you can do i think the first thing that i will always caution any organization like i think assessing your capacity for diversity Mm -hmm. so meaning every it's great that our senior leadership team thinks diversity is great, but how do we socialize this throughout the organization so that when we start outreaching to diverse communities, when they come in, they feel welcome. We know how, you know, our practices aren't unintentionally creating barriers for people. And so I think a lot of times I just will caution organizations to make sure that they've done the work internally first it's always great to just, you know, pay a speaker, come in, you know, how many, how can we change our website? How can we send our message out to more diverse people? But we oftentimes don't ever examine, like, why aren't we diverse in the first place? And so that takes us maybe doing some climate surveys, some audits internally to kind of just get an assessment of what people think about diversity here now. Maybe there are some trainings we need to do, some unconscious bias training, some, you know, how do we recruit from diverse communities so i definitely think everyone needs training because it's changing language is changing you know the context of language the introduction of pronouns we weren't even talking about that when we were talking about diversity even five ten years ago yeah and so you you have to consistently change people like well how much when do you get there you never get there you know because there's just always ways you're always learning how to make people feel valued and respected and there can't be anything wrong with that if you're intentionally trying to figure out how to include more people and make everyone feel valued and respected yeah that's it's a good point well it's it's that we want it to be easy right we want to we want exactly. to be able to flip a switch and like oh here we did it now we can be diverse and we can do all this stuff but you know it challenges you individually because it's not something that you can just do nine to five. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not really a person that's an 
proponent for diversity and inclusion, you can't fake it. Yeah. You know, and that's where I think why it hasn't moved a lot because it really challenges a lot of people personally on what they value, what they believe and how they show up. Yeah, that's a, well, that's another really good point. It's, it's always weird because any question, any conversation about diversity always, well, it should make you think, right? <laughs> it should make you think about your own life and your, your own organization and how they do the things they do. So if a company wants to get involved with manners, which I personally would encourage them to do because you guys are doing, seem to be doing really great work. How do they go about that? Definitely. So they can, we have a way of, they can contact the national office, which our headquarters is here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm over the COO over that office. And it just starts with the conversation, just wanting to reach out to the manners, inquire about what your objectives are for partnering with manners. So it could be recruitment. It could be to work with high school students for career exposure. So just us learning more about the needs of the partner. And then from there, designing a a partnership package that really meets their objectives so that we both know what success looks like at the end of the year. Yeah, that's, I mean, that sounds good. Uh, But really, that's, that's the thing too, right? It's, you guys do so much recruitment, which is great, especially in in a environment where everyone in agriculture is like, Hey, we can't find employees (laughs) anywhere. Well, they're there. They're just maybe not the exact spot where you thought they were going to be. And it's also, I think that's also part of where examining some of our recruitment strategies, a lot of organizations have go to the same schools, have the same professors they reach out to. And so they approach everyone the same. So you can't approach a small school in Alabama the same way you approach a Purdue. It's like two different beasts in terms of resources, staff school structure, et cetera, et cetera. So understanding those differences matter and also having those relationships on the campus matter too, because it's another thing when being an organization and being an ag and you have invested in Purdue and you came from Purdue and everyone on your staff in Purdue. So Purdue may know who you are, but if you've never been to Alabama A&M University and you show up on campus for the first time and no one comes to your booth, it can't be that those students aren't interested in agriculture. It's just, you know, we have to be more intentional about realizing how long we've invested and shown up at some of these institutions and how far of a divide that is on where, to your point, where we haven't shown up. And so it's about looking at those recruiting in a different way and building those relationships where we traditionally haven't had relationships before. It's going to take a couple of years to see that investment, that return on investment. So I always tell organizations it's a marathon and not a sprint. And so you may not, you know, you may commit whatever amount of money and may not get your intern until year two or three, but it takes that brand awareness and relationship and trust building in order for you to get there. Well, well, yeah, and as you talk, it's about building awareness, right? Because, yep. well, I, I, I always see people like investing a lot in FFA, and FFA is great, but it also usually requires you to be from an agriculture background to be in that organization. And as someone who wasn't, I mean, there are lots of good candidates out there that are just haven't had that same experience, right? Correct. 
those are all the questions I have for you. Have I missed anything important? Anything you'd like to say? No, I think um, it was a great conversation. And thank you so much um, for the opportunity. Yeah, any time I... Am, I've gone into kind of a deep dive on your organization, so I hope that we can continue to have partnership and continue to get your word out to the to our industry, which is it's important. And like you said, it's it's the future, so we might as well all start working on it now, right? Right. Don't wait till we get here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, it was great talking to you. Uh, reach out anytime, and I hope to speak to you soon. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Record.